pastors here, and we like to have fun. And that's why I love every time Alex comes on stage and does his thing. Uh, I don't think I'm as fun as Alex. I don't know. Maybe I'll get there. We'll find out. But uh, welcome to the branches. I'm so glad you're here this morning. Uh, As I said, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors. And uh, we are continuing in our series in the book of James called Let's Go. Uh, And I'm really enjoying this. James is a short book, but it is not necessarily the sweetest to us all the time. He constantly is challenging us. Uh, He was writing to uh, the early church, and so he wasn't afraid uh, to bring up things that the people at the church needed to confront, challenge, and change about the way they were living so that they could grow closer to God. Uh, And the things he writes about are still important to us today. Alex, over the last couple weeks, has been preaching on a few different topics. And today, James is going to again challenge us uh, in something uh, new that will be tough, but uh, it you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's interesting that he shows all of uh, these just like simple corrections that we can make to get closer to Jesus. The thing with them, though, is that they take effort on our part. They're simple, yes, but they take effort. Uh, and so I'm excited to be challenged again today. Before we get going, will you just pray with me? God, thank you for a oh, beautiful morning. Lord, a uh, time that we can come and worship and just, uh, just be in all of you. Uh, Lord, clear our minds. Help us to be focused on what you want us to hear this morning, Lord, uh, so that we can leave here uh, knowing how we can become closer, how we can be better followers of you. Thank you for this congregation, for this group, for the fun that we have, for the fact that we can worship you freely and willingly. Lord, you're so good to us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So this past week, I was watching a video uh, talking about space. I'm a big fan of like outer space, the space race, all of that. Uh, I just find it so fascinating. And of course, um, you know, the the space race was just this really unique, interesting time uh, in our history. And of course, we have Gus Grissom, our uh, famous Hoosier astronaut, part of like the Mercury team, uh, Gemini and the Apollo missions. Uh, Amazing guy. Go Hoosiers. I love it. Uh, People from Indiana. Love them. Love them. But uh, the space race is so fascinating to me because somehow through the 50s and 60s, we were able to develop the technology that got us from here to the moon and back. And I just don't understand how we did that using computers that looked like cassette tapes, uh, which in itself is like an outdated reference. So like, I just don't get it. It fascinates me. Uh, but. Uh, what, what I think is really neat is that we have this kind of new space race going on now. There's a lot of uh, countries that are, are working to get to uh, the moon again and then to Mars, hopefully. Uh, and they're all trying to, you know, make, uh, m- make their mark on the world. They, they want to make history and show that uh, they're important, right? Uh, in, in the original space race, it was the, uh, the United States and the Soviet Union. Nowadays, uh, we have tons of different people involved. United States, Russia, China, India, uh, a European group, even even the United Arab Emirates as well. And you also have all of these uh, individual companies. Uh, so like you have SpaceX and Blue Origin. And so what I'm seeing here is that the next like decade is gonna be really interesting to watch as it unfolds. Uh, and each one of these groups though has this desire that they want to be number one. They wanna make this milestone. They wanna show that they are important, the first to make this discovery. And I think uh, the desires of these countries and large organizations are honestly very similar to our own desires. Similar in scale, yes, or no, different in scale, that's the wrong thing. I'm not trying to get to the moon or to Mars, but the same, all, all the, uh, but very similar all the same. I would like to be known as the person who made tube socks trendy again. I wore them all through high school, didn't get any credit then, now all the kids are wearing them. I just don't get it. Do you guys still wear tube socks? I don't know, trends come and go. but. 
I just find it so interesting. And James starts in chapter four by looking at this idea of desires. Uh, And from there, he builds to his larger point. He looks at what causes fights and quarrels among people. Uh, And similar to how the desires of these companies to uh, be the first makes this competition, our desires will also affect how we interact with those around us, how we respond uh, to others. And so I want to read this first couple verses again here. Uh, James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Uh, Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You know, the word desire here could also be translated as lust. Lust. That's a strong word, strong description, and James will continue to use strong words throughout this entire passage. Uh, But similarly, though, Jesus also used strong words and imagery when he was speaking about lust in the Sermon on the Mount. He said this, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This lust or desire is what is fueling these fights and quarrels within us. When we desire for something that's selfish, it comes out in, uh, in the evil that we express through our actions. Uh, but those are just two examples that James could have used. He chose those two, but he could have easily picked something that he uh, had just talked about from chapter 3. It could have said that uh, those desires bring out, uh, br- bring out uh, uh, filthy language and gossip, or uh, that they could bring out just other things, jealousy, immorality, drunkenness, hatred, and anger, all types of evil that come from the desires that battle within us. These desires that we have that lead to evil can kind of show us what we are letting feed us, what we are letting influence us. And the decision to let them grow rather than to control them can lead to these outward actions of fighting, arguing, lying, and so on. These passions uh, for power and authority and for popularity within our culture are creating the state of double-mindedness, which is what James has been talking about through his entire uh, letter. These desires for earthly pleasure and the desire for God. We have earth over here and God. These double-minded ideas. And I think you can look at it in some, uh, some ways. You might say, like, we want to be with God, but we are feeling the pull of the, the pleasures of this world. Or you might be in a different situation where you want to be with the world, but you're feeling the pull from God. Uh, he then continues by pointing out where we are going wrong. Uh, he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I think he really hits home with that one. When a believer has this mindset, they don't get what they are seeking because they are searching for it in a place where it could never be found. If we try to gain status with the world in the hopes that it will bring a sense of wholeness, joy, and peace, we won't find it there. As we let our sinful desires take control and we don't put our trust in God for the things that only he can provide, then what we end up seeing is that we aren't going to get anywhere. We're trying to get a boost in life by not going to the actual source of life. It has always been the way of things where there are trends that come and go. Uh, I I was going to try to talk about some, but I'm not trendy myself, and I don't know any of them. That's how fast they come and go. Uh, But people will all try to lean on these things and use them to gain status or popularity. Uh, But they come and go so quickly that they are always changing. And the thing with these 
is that they're not bad, but if we're trying to find the next best thing through something like that, what we're going to realize is that none of those things are actually the best thing. The, the more important thing to remember is that we need to focus on God. When we live with this double-minded view of the world and we try to find satisfaction in it, uh, we, we try to achieve uh, something that is just not going to be there. We, we only find that there is a want for more. There is no real satisfaction in it. So what we find out, double-mindedness will affect the way we approach God. How are we going to God? How are we praying to him? What are our motives? Are we going to God with selfish ambitions or are we going to God in this, with this idea of reverency? But Wait, didn't Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7 that if you ask, it will be given to you? Yes, he did. He sure did. But James here is clarifying what the true followers of Jesus actually understand here. If you are asking with the wrong motives, you're asking for the wrong thing. You do not receive because you ask God not for good things, but for selfish things. You know, God is the maker of all things and the one who loves and cares for you above all. When we put our needs ahead of God and what he wants for us, it shows this arrogance that we think we know what is best. And that is just not true. Remember here that James is writing to a group of believers. He is writing to a church. And these issues that he is directing at this church are stuff that is very similar. It may seem harsh and it may seem straightforward, but he wants them to be true to God. He wants them to live the life that they were called to live. It means for us that if we want to become better followers of Jesus... We need to not let the world be the source of our passions, but that we let the goodness of God and the gifts he gives to us freely lead us in how we live and interact with the world. And so with that in mind, James now gets to his main point. And he again comes in with some strong language. He says this, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? James here wants his audience to wake up, look in the mirror, and realize who they really are. Realize what they have done. We are people that have rebelled against God. Do we understand that whenever we sin, we are betraying our commitment to God? We are essentially cheating on him. Imagine how your, uh, your, your, your spouse or your significant other would respond if you were just cheating on them in front of them. This is no small matter. James is pointing out a very important thing. It is a direct and powerful accusation that I think oftentimes we might respond to in different ways. Sometimes I think we can easily blow it off. I know I feel like I've done that at some points. We'll look at our lives and think, oh, well, I'm good. I, I, I'm not a friend of the world. I think I'm fine. You know, not a big deal. I've made it my life goal to follow Jesus, which is great. I love that. I hope you're in that spot. But don't blow it off because 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. If we become complacent in our faith, then we won't realize those small things that are creeping into our lives and starting to break down that foundation. We must always be in the process of strengthening and building our faith. 
We might also respond by looking at what James is saying here and just think it's too harsh. He does come out strong. He uses that language, but is he really that serious? Can I really be that bad? Uh, you know, my anger gets the best of me sometimes, but eh, it's no big deal. I, I only drink too much when those few friends are in town. It, it's been a long week. You know, I deserve to let loose some, but it is not too harsh. Do we hate the sin that we commit? Sin is rebellion against God, plain and simple. And purposely choosing something instead of him is selfishness. God earnestly desires for his spirit to reside in us. He jealously longs for it. And he is calling us to be totally his. When we see scripture presented in this way, it can be hard to take because it is a hard truth. It is a, it is a hard way to live. But that is where God's grace comes in. Oh, it's so good. The correct response to this is to understand that it is the truth. We have rebelled. We have sinned against God. But we can come back to him. The point that, God, that, that, we're, that uh, James is bringing here is that God desires with all his heart for us to be with him, to come home and to live with him, for us to seek him in all the good he provides instead of looking for it in the world. And verse 6 remind us that he gives us more grace. More grace. It shows that God's grace is still available to all people, whether you've been trying to follow after God your entire life or if you're currently running the opposite direction. God's grace is there all the time. And so the solution to these evil desires, the double-mindedness that we betray God with is found simply in being humble. It's found in humility. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. James takes us from our individual sin, shows us where the source of it is, calls us out for our failures, and then gives us that simple path back to God. But as I mentioned at the start, simple, yes, but it does take effort on our part. And so, from there, he says this, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So there are three things that show us exactly how we should respond. The first is this. Submit yourself to God. Submit. Humility starts when we realize that God is in control and that he calls us to live a life in service to him. When we submit to God, it means we are consciously choosing to listen to, obey, and trust and follow him. We give up our own desires, our own hopes, and our own pleasures, knowing that God's path is going to be anything and everything better than what we could ever do. We could never create a path that is nearly as good as what God has for you. His plan is perfect for you. We want to listen to him instead of listening to the desires of this world. It's really easy to listen to our own desires, our own wants, but we choose to follow after God. We submit to him. The second thing is this, we resist the devil. Satan is the ultimate source of evil in this world, but it should bring us great comfort that we know he can be resisted. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he resisted the devil so we know we can as well. And let me also point out a few quick things that I think will help bring a little more confidence in this. We often think of it kind of this way, I feel like. We think of it as God and the devil. But what it really is, is God 
and the devil. Tiny little guy. He has no power over God. The, de- the deck is stacked in our favor. It is not a fair fight. God is so much more powerful than the devil. And so when you are trusting in him, he gives you the strength to face whatever you need. The second thing that helps with that is the people that are around you. Who are those people that you do life with that can help you when you are struggling, can bolster your faith, or can uh, keep you or raise you back up after you have fallen? Those people are a resource I don't think we use enough. I know we don't use that enough. And if you're a person that's out there right now and thinking, I don't have someone like that, I want you to be bold. Find somebody like that. Find someone that you can confide in, someone that you can talk with, and you can share your struggles together because we're all going through something. And it's great to have somebody there that can help you along the way. Now, the third thing is this, and I think this is the most comforting thing. We have submitting yourselves to God. We have resisting the devil. And then this, come near to God. Come near. So it is so nice to know that we can be near to God. When we come near to God, he will come near to us. Jesus tells us in Mark 1:15, the kingdom of God is near. And his coming into the world and starting of his ministry was when Jesus showed us that God was with us. But when the Holy Spirit came, it wasn't just God with us anymore. It was now God in us. And so coming near to God is more than just simply improving one's spiritual life. It is to fully enter the presence of God. It is to reside there, make it your home and be able to rest in his presence. John 15, one of our favorite chapters of the Bible here at the branches, uh, Jesus says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. It is God's desire to live among his people. And James finishes uh, by sharing uh, some sacrificial language. Uh, Chad was talking about, you know, bringing the sacrifice in. This is a, the sacrifice idea is something that would have been very familiar with all of these people because they lived in that time where sacrifices were the only way that you could come back to God. It was what they had to do to feel that freedom, but it never lasted. The sacrifice of Jesus, though, is what gives us true freedom. And so James finishes by saying this. He says, wash your hands, purify your hearts, grieve, mourn, and wail. Because without truly realizing the corrosive power of sin in our lives, we can never truly realize the holiness of God. So take that sacrificial language and bring it into our context. This idea of cleansing ourselves through sacrifice, we do so by sacrificing our desires of our heart by submitting to God's authority, surrendering ourselves and the selfishness and pride that is inside of us. Resist the devil, submit yourself to God and come near to him. Psalm 73, 25 says this, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire but you. Jesus made the sacrifice that allows us to be near God His grace was so abundant that he sent his own son to die for us. And true humility comes from being near the cross and understanding that sacrifice. God is so good and it is so good to be near to him. And so as we continue in this new year, as we go out and try to live as better Christians, better followers of Jesus, continue to increase in faith, 
Confront the hard challenges and be willing to see yourself be transformed by how good God is. Know him more, learn all you can, and discover the joy of having a single-minded view of life where you are only focused on Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you want all of us. You don't want us to be partially there. You want us to be totally a part of you. You have come to live with us. Let us reside in you. Let us rest in you, Lord, and your promises. Help us to be willing to let go of our passions. The things that we want in this world, let us let them go so that we can desire only what you have for us. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.